Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to season one, episode one of Waiting in the Waters. It feels so weird to be on camera and speaking into a mic. Um, I've never done a podcast before, and but I really, I truly believe that God has called me to start a podcast and use my voice to just discuss and dive deeper into some topics. This podcast is going to be broken down into seasons. So obviously this is season one and each season is going to have 12 episodes in it. So I already have my outline of what I'm going to be talking about each episode. And as far as today, I'm going to be talking about rebirth. I have so much I want to say, but First, um, before I get into anything, I want to explain what Waiting in the Waters means and how the name came about. So during a spiritual, it's not even a retreat, it really wasn't. Um, it was funny, the, the person that held this retreat, she was like, I don't know why everybody calls it a retreat because we're not on a cruise ship to enjoy ourselves. We're on the battleship. We're on the Lord's battleship because it's a spiritual warfare. And um, I thought that was funny, but she calls it an advance. So I went to, so me and my mom went to a spiritual advance. And during the spiritual advance, I'll get into everything um, a little bit later. But one of the revelations that God gave me was to speak and use my voice. And so here I am obeying him. Um, it took a lot to get to this point where I could really hear his voice and um, know that it was his voice and not my voice or the enemy's. I went to my mom after I got baptized one day during the weekend, the advance, and I told her, I think God wants me to start a podcast. And I was, if I start a podcast, what should I name it? I didn't want the podcast to be for my own self-glory. I didn't want it to be like a word vomit of my experiences and all of me and me and me. I did not want it to be that. I really wanted it to resort back to God's glory and what he's done for me because he saved me in such a painful place. I was so far gone and I'm not going to get into all of my testimony because I'm just not ready. Um, but eventually, maybe in another space, not necessarily online, I can discuss it. I'm actually working on a project. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to give any hints, but I'm working on a project that will go a little bit deeper into my personal testimony. But to shorten it up, I lost myself completely. Um, I did not know who I was. The enemy really had a grip on me. And so it took a lot to get to the place where I'm at right now today. My relationship with the Lord has never been better. It's never been stronger. And that's why I feel like I am so ready to share God's glory. So back to what I was talking about, the name. 
as my mom and I were kind of just bouncing off ideas, um, it came to her suddenly, and she said, waiting in the waters. And I was like, W-A-I-T-I-N-G? Like, okay. No, W-A-D-I-N-G. I was like, okay, what does waiting with a D mean? I've never heard it in my whole entire life. And when I looked up the definition, I was mind blown. I still to this day don't really know how it just came to her mind, but it did. And if you don't know my mom, she's very in tune with the Lord and um, she's honestly such a blessing and she helps me. She's my best friend. I know that sounds kind of weird to be like, my mom's my best friend, but she truly is and I'm so grateful for her. And so she actually came up with the name. So when I looked it up, it has two meanings. Number one, waiting with a T means to wait in the waters and that's significant to me because my whole life I felt like I had to wait and wait and wait for the right moment for the right time for God and um, I think a lot of people are in that boat where they're just waiting for something good to happen they're just waiting for glory and um, they're waiting for a breakthrough I know I was I was waiting for a breakthrough but at the same time I didn't really know that I needed a breakthrough um I actually didn't want a breakthrough at a certain period of time I was like I don't want to be saved right now this is my time to experience and do all the worldly things and I got to a point where nothing was fulfilling me nothing was bringing me happiness or joy and it was literally making me suffocate and so there is no other choice but to come to the lord and say now is the time i declare you in my life i open my heart to you i open my mind to you i open my soul to you lord lead me and in the waters is really significant to me because i got baptized or rebaptized in the ocean you get baptized in water you clean yourself in water you purify in water. So the second meaning is W-A-D-I-N-G. Meaning is waiting with a D. And when I looked it up, this is what it said. So by definition, it means to walk in the water. So in ancient times, people who were running from their enemy would wade in the waters or walk in the water. Um, whether that be the ocean or a river, to escape from their enemy because the enemy could not track their footsteps. The waves would wash their footprints away. That definition is so metaphoric to me because I was running and running from the devil. I was, I was, the devil was just chasing me and he still is. It's a never-ending battle. That's exactly why the host of the advance said it's not a retreat. We're on a battleship, not a cruise battle. It's a battle between good and evil. And the evil was luring me in so deep to the point where I couldn't live anymore like how I was. The only person 
that was still waiting for me, even when I was so filthy, was Jesus. He had his arms wide open, but I knew before I could come to his arms, I had to die to myself. I had to die to my flesh because the flesh it desires so much. It desires love and attention and it desires comfort. It desires pain. It desires all of these things that the world can so quickly give you. The world can lure you in to those things to make you feel like you're achieving something. The world makes it where it's so easy to feel like you're fulfilled. I got into a relationship that really caused me to be distracted and redirect my focus and my center. I did not know who I was, and especially after the relationship ended, I would cope with worldly things, and I I tried to search for the things that only God could provide in the world, and I came to find out that that only causes you to die. Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. So after relying on the world to fulfill a lot of my desires, um, I I got to a point where it wasn't fulfilling, it wasn't satisfying, it only made me feel so filthy and disgusting. Um, this is what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to disguise himself and provide you with certain things that will fulfill and temporarily make you feel happy or numb or confident. I didn't know who I was, but at the same time, I acted like I did. The enemy steered me so far from my roots. I learned that to be reborn You have to die to self. I also self-idolized myself and others so much to the point where I did not want to die to myself. And what that means is basically saying no to the worldly desires that your flesh craves. Your flesh will crave so many things. Like when you pass the ice cream aisle, when you're at the grocery, if the flesh could get its way... It would probably have two pints of ice cream, maybe three in my case. To say no to that, you have to die to that. You have to shut that down. You have to shut that craving and that urge to get two pints of ice cream down. And I'm not saying two pints of ice cream is bad. No, it is actually. With so many temptations and cravings and urges, the world makes it so hard for you to get to know yourself. Satan is very strategic and he will fill you and the world with things that make it really, really hard to know who you are. And he intentionally does that. He has a method to the madness, but who also has a method to his madness? God. The opposite of evil. I just want to let you know 
that it is okay to not know yourself. And actually, we're not really meant to know who we are in the world. We put so much pressure on ourselves to figure out who we are, where we fit in, who will like us, who will not like us. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. You know why? Because you only have yourself and God. That is it. And you have to make a choice at the beginning of each day who you want to obey, good or evil. There's no in-between except yourself, really. I mean, the in-between is yourself. Are you going to honor yourself? Are you going to honor the devil? Are you going to honor God? You pick. Everybody has a choice. Let me tell you, the world wants you to feel like you need a belonging. You need this. You need that. You need to know who you are so you can fit in to where you are. And girl or boy, let me just tell you, you have a place in heaven. You've always had a place in heaven because the creator himself has made you. So why would we go within ourselves and try to figure out who we are, who we are, who we are? We didn't make us. We are not our creator. So why? I mean, it's pointless to be sitting here asking ourselves, who, who am I? What am I? We're never going to get an answer to something that we genuinely don't know. From the day that you were made in your mother's womb, something had to make you something. I mean, yes, I'm not going to give the talk about the birds and the bees, okay? We were made by a creator, and it wasn't man-made because who the heck would make that man to make us man-made if we were man-made? We're not man-made. We are not from monkeys or gorillas. No, we are from God. Why don't we go to the thing that really made us? Because don't you think that he knows exactly who you are more than you know who you are? The creator of you knows who you are. The world will try and try to get you to lose yourself. Long story short, I was at my complete lowest. I really needed a savior. And while I was at my complete lowest, I had this daydream or a vision, whatever you want to call it, of my life coach, Rachel, baptizing me in the ocean. And at the time, I was like, okay, yeah, let me just fly me and my life coach down to the beach so I can get baptized. Like, it didn't really mean anything in the moment to me. I just thought, yeah, maybe one day. But then a couple weeks later, I had no idea about this spiritual advance when I had the vision. So I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw that Rachel had posted that she was going to be one of the speakers at this quote-unquote retreat. And I was actually sending it to my mom being like, this is a sign from God. I need to go. She's going to baptize me during this retreat. And I get a call from my mom before I sent the message, before I sent the post to her. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, what does she want? And so anyways, I answer it and I'm like, mom, you need to look at Rachel's post. And she was like, Maddie, that's what I'm calling you about. I just saw Rachel's latest post. This is a sign from God. We, or at least you, need to go. Thank the Lord for my mom and dad. They are so supportive in anything that I do. And so we go down to Siesta and the trip is from Friday to Sunday. We get there Thursday. I was trying to control when I got baptized, like what time and who would be there. I did not want it to be in front of a huge crowd. I was eight and I already did that public declaration and I really didn't want it to be seen by everybody else. I wanted it to be a intimate moment between me and God only. So during the church service, I was so worried about, is everybody going to be here and see me getting baptized and who's going to be there and da 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 da. And all my life, I've been trying to plan and control everything. And God told me, let go of your control and let me control this. Me, whoever is meant to be there will be there. Met The women that I met, oh my gosh, they were so amazing. And a lot of them had very familiar faces. And they also said that my mom and I looked familiar and thought that they met us before. And I really believe that we have met each other before in heaven. A lot of the things that happened during the weekend, I just, I can't even explain. There was so much and I keep it kind of short and sweet. I will tell a little bit about my experience getting rebaptized. So like I said, I was trying to control everything and I wanted it to be super sunny, but it was far from that. I actually woke up and looked outside. There's no sunrise. And we're in Florida. Like you would expect the sun to be shining. On the forecast, it said that it would be raining. And I was like, this is the last day for me to get baptized. This is my last chance. So it needed to be right after the Sunday service. And I was praying so hard. I think we all were that it wouldn't rain out because the Sunday service was going to be on the beach and it couldn't be on the beach if it was going to rain. So thank you, Lord. It did not rain, and but it was not sunny at all. It was very windy and cold. I have never seen the sky like it was ever in my life. It was so powerful and the wind was so strong because it symbolized you cannot see the wind. You can only feel the wind. And that is exactly how God works. You can't see God, but you can feel God if you realize that he's there. If you come to terms with, oh, I feel wind. Wind is reality. God is reality. You can then see him in a way. So letting go of my control, I got baptized at 11, 11 and me and my family, we have this really weird thing that we see 11, 11 
everywhere. Like every single time we turn on our phone, it'll be 1111 or 111. We just see ones everywhere. Even my grandma and grandpa and aunt. It's really freaky. Baptized. My head went under the water at 1111 and I did not plan that. Nobody planned that except God. So I'll share the video, but it's very, very vulnerable and emotional. And it was so cold <laughs> after I got up out of the water. I was like, oh, yay, just like joyful. And then it just hit me. Emotion in the Holy Spirit really just hit me. And it was almost like an outer body experience. I didn't even have any thoughts in my brain. It was just magical. But I ran to my mom and I just wept in her arms and all. Oh my gosh, I will never forget it. And the people that were there seriously were angels. far gone to be washed by the Lord. I promise you, nobody is perfect. The only perfect person was Jesus. There's nobody that can measure up to Jesus. No matter if you try and try your hardest and strive for it, you will never amount to him. I will never amount to him. Nobody can ever amount to him. And that's exactly why God created him. He came down here to be a savior. There was so much evil in the world, and there still is. And you have to choose who you're going to worship, who you're going to side with. Jesus came down, and the disciples that he picked were the most filthy people on the planet. They were murderers. They were thieves. They were so horrible. And why did he pick those people? Because the healthy don't need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. This is Isaiah 1, 10 through 25. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gorimea. Some words in the Bible are like, what? So excuse me if I pronounce anything wrong. 
The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to me before, when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I bear your worthless assemblies, your new moon feasts, and your appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer my, even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash them and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Lean to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of justice. Righteous used to dwell in her, and now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They are love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Therefore the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the Mighty One of Israel declares, Ah, I will I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remo remove all your impurities. Now that was a lot. The Bible is a lot. The Bible is very metaphorical. And the two things that really stuck out to me was, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. A couple days prior to God giving me the scripture, my life coach and I, during one of our sessions, she was praying over me and she said the words white as snow. So that, I, so I saw white as snow again and I was like, yes. And I think it's so beautiful when it says, I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. Say that God is going to restore what has been broken. What I want to leave you with today more than anything else, is to let you know that you are not too broken to be mended. You are not destroyed. The enemy wants you to think that you are too broken for God, that you are too destroyed to come to his pure righteousness, but you are not. After Satan fell before mankind was made, he made it his life mission to seek so much power and control over God's children. So when the first beings were made, he infected them with the sin virus. And that's why it is so easy to sin 
we live in a world of sin. But God is our hope. If you want to live eternally, you have to realize that God is the Savior. There is no denying that there is good and evil. That's the premise. I was denying it for a long while. But seeds were planted little by little in my pain, and eventually the seeds started to sprout And I knew that God was calling me to higher than the life that I was living. You press into him more, he will press into you more. Think about this. If your house is on fire, God isn't just going to come and save you if you don't want him to. He's going to keep knocking out the door until you open it. But Satan will crawl through the windows because he steals. He is the master of burglary. He'll come in. And he'll keep you in that fire. And this whole time, you could have prevented Satan coming in the window if you would just invite God in. That's all he wants. He just wants you to invite him in. And if you think about how you hear God's voice, it's so gentle. It's so small. God is not loud. A lot of people struggle to hear his voice. And I still do sometimes because it's so quiet and it's so gentle. He does not come demanding. God is a gentleman. He's not going to be loud. He's not going to be pressuring you to follow him. He wants you to make that choice for yourself. And think about what a gentleman is. That is exactly what God is. His spirit and his voice is so gentle It's so small. You can barely even hear it. That's why it's so hard for people to hear his voice because a lot of times we fill our mind and our world with so much chaos and we let chaos in that we don't even know how to clear our head and open up our ears for his voice. We truly have to open up and surrender everything to him in order to hear his voice, in order for him to work in your life. And another thing I really want to talk about is his timing, because his timing is so not like our timing. We as humans desire things to be here right now in the blink of an eye super quick. God uses a complete different measurement than we use. His soon is not our soon. And his timing is so slow and it's gentle. And sometimes that can be frustrating because we're sitting here like, okay, we don't have all the time in the world. I want to hear your voice. Why aren't you here, Lord? That's where I was at. I thought that God left me. I thought he left me, and I thought that it was my job to cure everybody's loneliness, and um, and that's the prime reason why I think I also let the relationship I was in dictate where I was mentally at and also where my partner was mentally at. Um, we were very toxic for each other at the end, and it was because we wanted things rushed. It was because God was not at the center of our relationship at all. 
If you don't invite and let God in, he will not come in. That's not his nature. But Satan will. Even if you don't want him in, he will come in. And so every single day, we need to pray and declare that Satan does not have a place in our hearts and he needs to go back to hell where he belongs. The thing about the evil one is he uses time very different than how God uses time. He will use it to rush us and to make us feel like we are running out of time. It He will age us. He'll age our mentality, our behavior. And by that, I mean he'll make us feel like we're something that we're not. And it's so easy to have that mindset because we as humans, we want things here and now. We want things right now, super quick, time efficient, and God calls us to slow down and be still. There's there's so many times in scripture that tell us to be still. We don't like to be bored. Our flesh does not want us to just be still and be quiet. Do you know why? Because it's uncomfortable. To be silent is very uncomfortable at first. But once you get comfortable with the silence, it becomes easier and easier to hear God's voice. So in order to know who you are and where you came from, you have to open it up to, okay, what does the person that created me say that I am? Who does he say that I am? It makes it It makes it so much easier if you open that discussion up with your creator than if you're trying to figure it out yourself. How is a little baby going to answer who they are, who what their DNA is, what their ancestry is, if they don't look at their mom and dad and they don't learn from their mom and dad? They won't, they're not able to to know who they are or where they came from. So I encourage you to just take that first step. It does not have to be this huge moment, okay? Just pray. Just pray a little bit um, each day. And he, the more you press into him, I promise you, the more he'll press into you. And eventually, you'll start to see things and weed out things that aren't of him because you'll get to know of him more. And then it'll narrow it down to, okay, how do I behave? Who am I? Because you get to know more of whose you are. Recently, my family and I did a ancestry test and we and we got to see where our ancestors were from, and it was really eye-opening. Um, and it helps to know that, to then have a sense of belonging, because that is where you're from. Um, and so that's much like our DNA with God in heaven. I will say, though, that once I started to pray, it was not instant to where God completely changed me. He had to work on me and slowly but surely he did. For a while I was one foot in and one foot out. I was halfway halfway a Christian but I was still in the world. I would go to Sunday service and I would understand but I wouldn't fully understand to where 
I would carry it out. And it takes a long time. Like everybody's journey is so different. And that's what's so beautiful about it because nobody's testimony, nobody's story is the same because God has his own timing for everybody. He will not speak to you if you just talk the talk and you don't walk the walk. He wants people with a backbone. He wants people that won't be so quick to turn their head and to alter their beliefs. He wants the people that he can count on to stand firm by him at the rock and not wander off trying to go search for other things. God won't be able to act and perform miracles in your life if he doesn't know where you are. If you leave your rock and you go wondering and searching for him in different places when he told you in the first place to stand firm at your rock, distractions will come your way and you'll be so distracted and it'll hurt more when this distraction is completely gone and you're left like, okay, what am I supposed to do now to go back to your rock and to stop searching for him in worldly things and other places? Then you're able to help the other lost souls that are wondering, like you were, like how I was, you're able to help those people and direct them back to the, even if it's just a couple sentences, to have a little conversation with God and just tell him to show you where you're at spiritually and just bring your worries and your burdens and where you are at in life right now. God doesn't want us to test him, but he does he does say in the Bible that if you ask for him to be put to the test in your life, he will show you miracles and he will show you how good he is. Throughout these next 12 episodes, we're going to be talking about various topics and diving deeper into these things um, to get a better understanding of who we are because ultimately we'll be getting a better understanding of whose we are. So with all that being said, I'll see you next Thursday at 12. Stay thirsty for Jesus. (laughs) Bye.